It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side. Good morning. Dolphins fans, welcome to the On the Fence Side podcast with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the finfanatic.com website and the fan sided network. Uh, we've got an exciting show here today. I'm really looking forward to this one. We, you know, not a lot of news going on out there. The Dolphins have their coaching staff in place. We're a couple of weeks away from free agency, about two months away from the NFL draft. We'll be sure to have that type of coverage as well as we continue to get closer to that. But Paul and I had an idea for today. We're going to, for lack of a better word, mock. Mock our, everything. Mock everything. everything. It's a mock everything show. We're Your gonna favorite. mock the Dol- the Dolphins starting twenty two here. After after all is said and done with the with free agency and the NFL draft. So we're not going to try to get too far into the weeds and, you know, calculate every last dollar. This is more of kind of a high level look. So, um, uh, Paul, obviously, with all the cap room the Dolphins had this, uh, there's no way that you weren't like a kid in the candy store here. Oh, dude, it's I was a kid in the candy store for another reason. Like, normally at this point in the year, we don't mock anything. It's I know it's the running joke that you hate mock drafts, and then when you approach me, you're like, hey, how would you feel if we just mocked everything? <laughs> I didn't know what to do with myself. I'm like, we got cap room. Cat wants to mock things. We haven't even had the, the, the combine yet, and we're mocking stuff. Let's go. Absolutely. So let's do it here. So a couple you of things. You let me out of fullback. You let me out of fullback. I love it. Man, this you know this uh this Mike McDaniel offense here is I don't know if people know this, but the Dolphins last year were tenth in the NFL in the amount of pre-snap um, amount of times a player was in pre-snap motion. So which is pr- pretty good number. Um the 49ers uh see the Dolphins were I think fifty seven percent of the time they did it, tenth most in the NFL. The 49ers did it eighty two percent of the time last year which was by far number one in the nfl and they use fullbacks so you want to talk about a, a paul Pickett type of offense they put this fat is, people in the backfield this is it i mean this is it for paul they uh, took the this, biggest fattest guy they had and put him in the backfield and put him in motion yeah that's yeah they took offensive linemen pro bowl offensive linemen used him as tight ends i mean we don't know what to expect and, th- and that's part of it here so i'm interested to see how our offenses look because you know, there, there are a few things we do know about about what to expect on offense. I mean, the, you're going to see more fullback play, obviously, a lot more. And you know that the offensive line is going to call for smaller, more mobile types of players, which is going to eliminate um, some of the offensive linemen and free agency in the draft, but is going to emphasize the need for a couple of more. So let's uh, start out here the, with just some basics. So the Dolphins are going to have – Somewhere in the neighborhood of, before all this, between sixty and sixty-four million dollars in cap room, number one in the NFL. Um, in addition to that, they also have the ability to cut several players, and and I I cut a lot here, and and I'll go down the list of the players that I did. Is running back Miles Gaskin gets the axe. He may not, but you know, two and a half million. I, I think he's zero fit in this offense, so he gets cut. Allen Hurd's cut. Preston Williams is not retained as a restricted free agent, which saves about $2.7 million. 
Seathan Carter cut, Jesse Davis, hallelujah, cut, Clayton Fedulum cut. Also, too, another thing that I predicted as well is Devontae Parker. I don't see on the roster here in 2021 or 2022, excuse me. And I have him traded, which will save $8.73 million if the team that you trade him to eats that salary. I see him traded for not much, late round pick, but I, I just don't see Parker and Gasecki in the same offense here with, with Mike McDaniel. I can understand that. I mean, it's the interesting thing for me, and 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 is I, I actually use the over the cap um, cap calculator. So once I hit the fifty one players, it actually rolled some of the lesser contracts of guys that aren't going to be on the roster anyway off. So I mean, I ended up after all was said and done with this entire exercise, I still ended up with over fourteen million in cap space. Ten million of which would go to sign in the rookie class. Four and a half million or so is right in line with what we talked about. The Dolphins usually save for the season just in case. And I'm just going to give the list of the key cuts I had here: Jesse Davis, Alan Hearns, Seathan Carter, Calvin Munson, and your boy Clayton Fedjada. So Clayton, Clayton. Yeah, so later, Clayton. Yeah, yeah. So Clayton Fledgelum, gone for both of us. Jesse Davis. Uh, Seathan Carter, did you say him too? Yes, I did. Okay. So, yeah, we, we agree on a lot there, and you're keeping Gaskin, sounds like. For now. I mean, it's, it's you know. It you can always cut, cut Gaskin or Greg Little later, save a few more million dollars. But that that's that's the big thing. We don't want to get too far into that because, you know, we really want to focus on how does this starting – 22 look on offense and on defense right so we, we, we could get down in the weeds with like this many dollars on this day and this is when the bonus we're not doing that like that's like I, i'm not going to keep track of what you're saying you're not going to keep track of what i'm saying and i don't expect our listeners to keep track of it either if we got down in the weeds to that level and we understand that we understand how it works we just we just don't want to do it so uh and i'm yeah. sure you don't want to, i'm sure you don't want to listen to a few million dollars being moved around for, for the, the three of you that want to hear that i apologize but not really yeah well you can you can dm me if that's the case well i actually don't i, I don't want to do that in my own, own time anyway uh well, no, so anyway so the paul paul the uh, dolphins have 17 unrestricted free agents too um the biggest ones obviously being mike kasicki and emmanuel agba um, out of those 17, I, I don't know if you've gone through this or not, but mm-hmm. I, I retained four, um, Mike Kosicki and I, and, and I, I do think the dolphins will slap him with the franchise tag as a tight end and they could go to arbitration on that. But I, I don't see what that would really do for Gasecki because, you know, back in 2014, when Jimmy Graham tried that Jimmy Graham did not win. And then he appealed that. And then. By by the time a decision was made on that, the Saints and Jimmy Graham had agreed to a contract. You may say, see something similar like this, but if he wants to be judged as a receiver, okay, you're an 800-yard receiver. Is that better? I mean, probably not. So I, I he's not going to get 17 million. I, I could see him getting, you know, 13 million per year if the Dolphins sign him to a long-term con- contract extension. But for this exercise, I, we're slapping him with the franchise tag, 11 million. Emmanuel Agba was not a slam dunk for me to, to bring back simply because he look after this year, he's going to be, tw- he's going to be 28 this year. He's going to be 29 in 2023 when he's a free agent. 
um, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's been a solid player. He's been a lot more durable than we thought and scheme flexible. So I did end up bringing him back 15 million a year, but I think it's quite possible he leaves. And then two other role players, Duke Riley, 2 million a year, Matt Collins, 3 million a year. I, I also brought back the rest. We've got a list of 13 players. Um, you know, Will Fuller, Jacoby Brissett, Philip Lindsay, Malcolm Brown, Albert Wilson, Durham Smythe, Greg Mance, John Jenkins, Landon Roberts, Brennan Scarlett, Justin Coleman, Jason McCourty, Matt Pilardi, all all heading to free agency. Well, my list is going to sound a little boring because as far as the unrestricted free agents go, I signed Mike Gesicki for three years, $40 million. Um, Emmanuel Agba, three years, $45 million. Mac Hollins for two years, and Duke Johnson for two years. So Duke Riley, Duke right. Riley. Nope, Duke Johnson. Oh, you did Duke Riley. That's right. I did Duke Johnson. Oh, Duke Johnson is a is is he a restricted free agent or unrestricted? Unrestricted. Okay. Well, I'm bringing him back too. Okay. So he we'll, be, we'll he, he won't be expensive. Yeah, I would say it's about three million a year. So yeah, I I I, I thought he was. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I'm bringing him back too for sure. That that that's right, a no. So you brought brainer. five, I brought four. Gotcha. So Duke Riley is not you're not bringing back. Not right away. I mean, he might be a a, a pylon later at some point. But okay, okay, got it. So let's get to the good stuff here. Wait, um, hold on. I, I I do want to run through my restricted on and uh, exclusive rights because I did resign Savan Ahmed because it's ridiculously cheap, and if he can be that, put the foot in the ground and cut through a lane, <laughs> he might be a guy. Uh, I did bring back Eli Campbell on their ex- exclusive rights and Eguavon uh, and Nick Needham and Jamal Perry. I hit with the restricted free agent tenders. So. Jamal Perry, bring okay. Yep, I'm bringing. I'm bringing. I, some, I'm bringing it back. I, I'm. I'm. You know, if they're restricted free agents, uh, you know, Nick Needham, bring bringing back. I, I, I think they'll sign him to a contract extension uh, there, there at some point. And uh, the others, uh, Elijah Campbell and. Uh, who are the other two you said there? Um, for restricted, it was Egwavon, Needham, Eli Campbell. Oh, no, Eli Campbell's exclusive rights, Ahmed, Ahmed's exclusive rights, and Jamal Perry's restricted. Sounds good. I, I'll bring back um, pretty much what you said there, too. So, yeah, I mean, with exclusive rights and restricted free agent, you know, I I, I, I don't think I'd bring back Savan Ahmed, maybe not Elijah Campbell either. Um He's it, kind of a special teams guy, but yeah, yeah I mean, either way. a year, see if he can beat out Gaskin in the new offense. I think it would be a very good sign if Gaskin, Savan Ahmed, Patrick Laird, all three of those guys were not even able to make the roster. And I, and I think that, that that's a distinct possibility. Well, I, so, did, not, I did not tender Laird. All right, yeah, Laird. Uh, Laird, yeah. In, in this offense, I think Laird's gone because you've you've pure receiving backs that have thrived in that New England type offense. Probably not going to get the same the same leeway here with Mike McDaniel. We'll see. Uh, you know, he's he, he can adjust. But anyway, so let's take a look at our starting starting twenty two. Um, we've both got two at quarterback, um, and. At running back, this is uh, where it starts to get interesting. Who do you got, Kat? Uh, I see the Dolphins here. You know, part of the appeal with Mike Mike McDaniel is that, okay, you should be able to put anybody at running back. But this team has 
ignored the running back position for so long. I mean, two of the last three years, they've been historically bad. 2019 with Kalen Balage at running back. And then last year, I, you know, one of the worst teams in the league, too. So they weren't able to get any running game going until they pulled Duke Johnson and Philip Lindsay off the street, which is just a slap in the face of the running backs on the roster. And it should have been. So I have the Dolphins in the second round, middle of the second round, taking Iowa State running back Brees Hall. And I see him as a perfect fit in this offense, a one-cut runner, had over 1,500 yards rushing this past year. Uh, If the Dolphins want to get serious about the running back spot and developing that running game on those 90-degree days in South Florida, he's the guy I want. And uh, also, too, signed Patrick Ricard, $4 million a year. At fullback, and I, when you look at him, a Pro Bowl fullback. If the Dolphins are going to have one in their offense, they better do it right here. And I don't think, I don't know if you can trust a rookie in this role. Um, so with that, now you've got, you've got a one of the best running backs in the draft at running back. You've got Patrick Ricard, a Pro Bowl fullback. Now we we have the talent in the backfield to make this work. So, I kind of went a similar route at running back, and I went a little different route at fullback. Um, at running back, I did go to the draft. I went to the third round and took James Cook out of Georgia. Someday I've been talking about would be a great fit in this offense. Uh, and the fact that he can line up in multiple places and, you know, he's, he's a great running back and he's also a great wide receiver when, when you line him up out there. So McDaniel being able to motion and shift into multiple formations with the same personnel, I think is going to be critical and going to be a big key here. And I think James Cook meets it extremely well, even though I love Brees Hall. Uh, it's I also use my second-round pick on another guy we'll get to in a little bit. But, yeah, James Cook, easily for me. Uh, I'd be ecstatic getting him in the third round, which is right around where he should be going. And then at fullback, I, I, I'm not even going to play around here. I, Chiga, Chiga Konkwu... The tight end from Maryland is more of an H-back style tight end. He can block really well. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can run the ball well. And he could be a guy that, that steps in and also allows you to use the same personnel at times for I formation as you would use for, you know, five wide, which is awesome. Right. Yeah, I mean... That's that's where the test is going to be. I, I put more resources into this because I it's it's to me it's it's extremely important that they nail this at mm-hmm. running back. But you know, part of uh, Mike McDaniel has demonstrated that he doesn't necessarily need you know a first or a second round pick. So yeah. that that's where it's going to be put to the test. I really want to put the exclamation point on on running the football here. So. Wide receiver now, obviously Jalen Waddle returns. We both have Mike Kosicki returning at. at tight end, receiver, whatever you want to call him. So there, those are two of our guys. As I mentioned, I, I mock trading Devontae Parker mm-hmm. for a late-round pick. The other team needs a salary, $8.7 million in this scenario. So you've got to replace him. And I, I there are two receivers that I see in free agency that I'd love to get my hands on, both 26 years old. One is Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys. Now, Cedric Wilson is, in terms of size – uh, very similar to Devontae Parker, you know, 6'3", 210 pounds. Parker's a little bigger. Parker's better in contested catch situations. But in this offense, 
Wilson has a little more upside as far as being able to separate and a little, he's a little better yards after the catch. So he's the replacement for Parker. Also Braxton Berrios uh, would be a interesting fit in this offense. We saw when the, when the jets played the dolphins, he was really the only offensive weapon they had that we had to, had to account for. He can be moved all around the field. He can take handoffs. He's a great returner. You have him as your third receiver and you pay him five or $6 million a year. Uh, I, I think this is somebody along with Jalen Waddle. Now you've got two guys that can really separate at the wide receiver unit. And for me at wide receiver, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I re-signed, like I said before, I re-signed Kosicki. He's a tight end for me. I, I did think about moving to the wide receiver, but I ran out of money in other places. So uh, it, it's keeping him at tight end. He did show improvement in blocking last year, even if it wasn't great. And all he's got to do is get in the way. And C.K. Parrott brought up a, a stat this week. The Dolphins' run game was better and more effective with Mike Kosicki on the field. And I think part of that is the effort he put into blocking, but part of that's also the resources that you have to dedicate to him in the receiving game. It's it's something that takes people off their spot, which I think is something that we're going to see Mike McDaniel do a lot of. Um, right. At, at wide receiver, I've got – y'all are going to be a little bored with this. I didn't go crazy. Uh, I did draft a couple of guys late in the late rounds that I think could be effective down the road, but Waddle, Parker, Bowden, that's my starting three. Okay, okay, got it, and, and I don't think you have to dedicate a lot to it. So, yeah, absolutely. So, offensive line, this is obviously where, where the most construction is going to happen uh, in the offseason, you know, whether it's, it's money, whether it's first-round pick, second-round pick. I'll throw it to you first. Where did you go here with the reconstruction of the offensive line? I'm going to warn you, Kat. You're going to hate my left tackles or my left tackle. That much I know. Um, but Mike McDaniel is able to to adjust his blocking schemes. He does like big guys, and this is somebody I think is on the rise. And you know, he's only 26 years old, and he's such a massive upgrade that even if he's not a perfect fit, I think he is going to be – the guy for us for for at least the next four years and $68 million. And that's Cam Robinson uh, from the Jaguars. At left guard, my first-round pick, your guy and mine, Zion Johnson out of BC. I've got Dieter at center still. I've got Hunt at right guard. And then I stole from the Jets. Uh, Morgan Moses does not project to be an expensive player, but he's such a massive upgrade over anything that we've had for a while other than Robert Hunt. And one of the big themes for me with with Cam Robinson, with Morgan Moses, is these are two players that stay healthy 99% of the time. These are two players that consistently play 15 or 16 games a season at, at least. And that's huge for me. Like, Teron Armstead is probably going to be better in – the five to 13 games he plays for us most years. But if you stretch that across the course of the season at the position between Teron Armstead and whichever backup Jesse Davis type player, we have to stuff into the lineup for the other, you know, 11 or, you know, three to 11 games. I'll take the consistency from these guys and, and still being an upgrade. Yeah. I, 
Yeah, we definitely went different ways on the offensive line here. Mm-hmm. Uh, not surprised. Uh, the my my concern. Look, if if it came down to it, and it was either signing Cam Robinson or looking at the draft to look at uh, for left tackle, probably opt to sign Cam Robinson. Or, or you've got to come away with a left tackle. Yeah, in the in free agency, you have to. Not I a left tackle in training. Right. I. I my my issue with 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 uh, Robinson and Moses, along with Robert Hunt on this offensive line, is this is a line that needs to be mobile and needs to move, and I don't see Robinson, Moses, and Hunt, along with Dieter, um, fitting that now. But then again, too, you know, just because the 49ers offensive line looked a certain way doesn't mean the Dolphins offensive line is going to look the exact same way too. Yeah. So yeah, it's. So with the offensive line, yeah, th- this is where I poured the most money into as uh, here. I mean, yeah, left tackle, uh, uh, Teron Armstead, and you know I'm somewhere twenty around twenty million. Might even be a little bit north of that. Left guard, my first round pick as well is Zion Johnson, and also came away with center James Daniels in free agency. He's going to cost a lot of money too. And kicked Robert Hunt back out to right tackle. And for the time being, Liam Eikenberg is your starting right guard. So from left to right, you've got Teron Armstead, Zion Johnson, James Daniels, Liam Eikenberg, and Robert Hunt. Those are your starting five here. Now, look, Teron Armstead, I I understand he has missed a lot of games here. uh, No doubt about it. But I would would say that if if we're going to apply that standard, um, the Dolphins would have never signed two of their best free agents over the last decade, Brent Grimes and Emmanuel Agba. Uh, Brent Grimes missed pretty much two of the of the previous three years yeah. and came into Miami, and we'll put the Miko Grimes stuff aside, but uh, was a steal on the field. Um, Emmanuel Agba came in, and Agba with the Chiefs and with the Browns could not stay healthy, but the talent was there. If, if this guy can just put together a healthy season, you've got one. You, you know, you've, you're, you're you're signing somebody for seven and a half million, who is now a top ten defensive end for you. Would you rather have that, or would you rather have Shaq Lawson, who stays healthy but isn't that good? I mean, I, I'd rather take the talented player and hope that he can stay healthy 10 times out of 10. So, so I, I, the only thing I want to say on that, and, and obviously we can move right on, is there, there's no question from either of us that Toronto Armstead is the most talented tackle in this free agency class. Um, but the difference, I think, for me with, with Brent Grimes and a number of these guys that we, we've done this with through the years uh, is they've come in at a discounted rate for on, on prove it deals, and I don't think that that's going to be the case with Teron Armstead this offseason. I think Teron Armstead's going to end up costing at the end of the day north of $20 million, given the line help that some of these teams out there need and his ability. And that's a lot for a prove it deal for me, and that's part of why I shied away a little bit, and also to use it in some other areas, right? Yeah, I. I, I, I definitely that, that's 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 a good point. I mean, Brent Grimes came in on a one-year contract uh, for what four or five million dollars, and then they extended him after that. We actually had Brent Grimes on our show that night yeah. uh, that he signed the contract. I think Paul put that together. I can't remember, but mm-hmm. uh, and we, we can thank Miko for that. Actually, believe it or not, yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, 
no thanks for the rest, but thank you for that. Um, and yeah, and, and also Agba was two years, 15 million. So, which is basically a one year, $10 million deal, right. the way it was broken down. So yeah, no, I, I completely agree with your point there. I, I believe as well that Dolphins have to, have to, have to come away with either Teron Armstead or Eric Fisher. And the reason I say that is because they don't cost you anything. You sign it. You don't. You don't have to give up any draft picks. You have the money to do it. They fit the scheme. They fit that wide zone scheme. They can get out into space. Yeah, Eric Fisher uh, tore his ACL at the end of the 20, uh, 2020 season, but he did get back on the field for the Colts last year. He did play well. And this is a former first overall pick, two-time Pro Bowler. You know, I, I'm going with the talent over over durability and just hoping they stay on the field. Um, one other thing too is. On this offensive line, I'm glad we both have Austin Jackson getting off the field. Now, I, I believe that athletically in this offense, he's a really good fit. But the other part of that, too, is not only do you have to be athletic, you have to be really smart and really ass- assignment sound for this to work, too, because everything in this Mike McDaniel offense is going to rely on timing and and creating illusions before the play. You can't have somebody out there who doesn't have a good poker face. And I don't think Austin Jackson has a good poker face. Um, so I, I don't see it working with him. Uh, I see it. That's, that's why in this scenario here, we've got Austin Jackson as kind of that swing tackle um, as your six lineman who can step in a, a guard or step in a tackle. Yeah. And, and, and hopefully not at all. Um, so anyway, that's our offense. We got to get through the defense here. Well, it's not a lot for me on the defense. I'll tell you. First of all, let me ask you this: We we're both bringing Ogba back. Mm-hmm. Everything else is pretty much set in stone. I have one different starter from last year. How many do you have? Um. Well, let me just run through the the starters because you know whatever. Um. That other than the my, my new starter, which is one, but I've got Ogba, Raekwon, Wilkins, and you could almost put Sealer as a as a B here because he's coming in effectively as a starter uh, Phillips Baker AVG X Holland and either Roe or Jones situationally uh, Byron Jones and then I have one drafted player here okay and what round was he drafted in round two round two okay uh, can I guess who it is oh you know who it is come on Chad now. Chad Muma from Wyoming yes sir okay okay he, That's good. So the athleticism, ranginess, and, and the ability to fight off blocks and make tackles, chase down plays, and cover wide receivers would pair ridiculously well next to Jerome Baker, and we we'd end up with one of the most athletic pairs of linebackers roaming all over the place. And AVG Phillips, you kind of count them as defensive end linebackers, you name it. Uh, in this positionless offense, but these would be two true linebackers that can do a lot of special things next to each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Muma, for his size, does cover a lot of ground. I-, I question the physicality a little bit, but you know, if he were more physical, he he probably would be a first round pick instead mm-hmm. of a, instead of a second or a third round pick. So, yeah, it it looks like you've got as your as if for the first two days of the draft. You've got Zion Johnson, the, the guard, in round one. You've got Chad Muma, the linebacker from Wyoming, in round two. 
And in round three, you've got Georgia running back uh, uh, James Cook. Mm -hmm. And uh, me, I've got I've got Zion Johnson in the first round. I've got Brees Hall uh, in the second round, and then uh, in the third round, I I'm, I would take the best available receiver to add to this unit here. John Mechie from Alabama is coming off a torn ACL, mm-hmm. so he may be available in the third round. He's not the biggest guy, not the fastest guy, and he's coming off a torn ACL. I could see him falling down there to the third round. I think it'd be a steal at that point. So, Calvin um, Austin's another one. Calvin Austin from Memphis, undersized, five foot seven receiver, but yeah, can separate. I mean, and I think that's the theme you've got to look for here. I mean, uh, PFF mocked the Dolphins to keep all their same receivers and then add add Allen Robinson. I was thinking that doesn't make any sense because now you've got three receivers making a lot of money who don't specialize in separating. So I, I, you need some separation here. So anyway, oh, at Nickel, I've got Nick Needham, which you already knew from from resignings. But who who's your new player? My, so my new player here is is also a linebacker, and I see the Dolphins being able to get a really inexpensive value linebacker here in free agency. And I'm talking a one-year prove-it de- type of deal here for somewhere around $5 million, a younger player. And I and I, I was deciding between – Does pectoral at the moment? Uh, don't believe so. Okay. Uh, but I, I've got two players that – former first-round picks – who could come in. I was deciding between two players, Leighton Vander Esch and Rashawn Evans. So, uh, and I, I ended up going with Leighton Vander Esch. He may cost more money, but if he's smart, he would want to go to a good defense that attacks where he doesn't have a whole heck of a lot of responsibilities like he did in Dallas and put together a great season so he can get paid after the year. So Leighton Vander Esch, with Jerome Baker here in the linebacker core, I, I see being able uh, to do some special things. Now, Vanderesh, the last couple of years, he's either been hurt or he hasn't played very well, but he started to play better toward the end of last season. So I think there is hope. He was a monster as a rookie in 2018, and he's never been able to get back to that point. Uh, he's missed in, in, in 2019 and 2020, he missed – somewhere between 12 and 15 games for those two seasons. So on a one-year prove-it contract, I think it makes a lot of sense. I just I remember the draft, and I remember how much you wanted Van Der Esch, so I, I shouldn't have been surprised by that one. I, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a good choice. He'd be a great fit in this defense. Well, so in, in 2018, that was the year the Dolphins took Mika Fitzpatrick. I, that, and so that year you had, you had uh, Minka, Derwin James, Tremaine Edmonds, uh, Roquan Smith, uh, Vita Vea, and I'm sure I'm forgetting so- somebody else. And then Van Der Esch was viewed as kind of the late first round type of prospect. I always thought he he deserved to be in that conversation. I still wanted Minka over Van Der Esch, but it wasn't too far off. It wasn't as far off as other people. So yeah, physically he he fits the bill um, on there. And another player too uh, that that might be of interest as we get closer to the draft is a, a linebacker from Montana named Trey Anderson who looked really good during senior bowl week reminds me a lot of Vander Esch. He was actually a running back for Montana in the first several years, but, and then switched to linebacker in his final year and, and, and looked very much the part. So he, he's somebody that's fascinating as we, as we approach draft season. Um, wait, wait, I haven't finished my starters yet though. Like, oh, go for it. Or I, I haven't gotten through all my drafted and big free, like key free agent signings. So take away. 
Long snapper, still Turd Ferguson. Kicker, still Jason Sanders. At punter, in the fifth round, which I know you love, Matt Ariza. If you have not, like, it's very rare I'm going to tell you guys this, but if you have not, go out and watch footage of Matt Ariza kicking the football. Holy crap. The guy's got a cannon for a leg. He's accurate with it. And he would be one half of flipping field position, which is one of those key components that gets overlooked a lot. And then our return game last year, after Jakeem Grant, you can say what you want about him as a receiver, but as a returner, he was very good. And having him take it to the house for Chicago definitely hurt. But this is where we fix this. And we get to steal from a division rival. Braxton Berrios, which sounds like a breakfast cereal, welcome to Miami as a kick and punt returner and somebody that has been improving as a wide receiver and can do some flexible things and come in and fill the role that some of these guys we've tried to get in here to be that little mismatch weapon that flies all over the place, but they drop footballs or can't get open. Braxton Berrios can, can catch the football and get open. So as a fourth wide receiver coming into games, it, it and being one of the best return men in the game, absolutely. Let's go. Yeah, I've got – I don't know if you missed it. I've got Barrios too. You do? I missed it. Yeah, so I, I've got them replacing Parker with with um, with Cedric Wilson and, Bra- and Braxton Barrios. And oh, I missed the Barrios part. Another, another thing, too, is that needs to be pointed out is, you know, with – especially with Matt Applebaum coming here as the offensive line coach, I, Hunter Long going into his second year, he's a big part of this too, or should be a big part of this. It would be a huge disappointment if he weren't. So he would play a lot of meaningful snaps too. And so now your receivers are, or at least on mine, you've got Waddle, Gesicki, Braxton Berrios, and Cedric Wilson. And the big thing is, and I said this last year, is that I thought it was a mistake for the Dolphins to try to go four or five deep at receiver. You know, I – when you need to put an offensive line in front of him. If, when Tua can plant his feet, his arm is not as much of, of a problem. When he can't and he's got to make off-platform, off-balance throws, he can't do it. That's It's as simple as that. You he, know, he, he can, but when he's doing that, you'll have six or seven good passes, and then the ones that are abysmal are so abysmal. It, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think they're mostly abysmal, and, and and you need to be able to. So you're never going to completely eliminate pressure or those off-platform throws, but you can minimize them, and that that's what getting an offensive line is going to is going to do for him here. So, a couple of things here in uh, in chat. I'm trying to find. Man, let's see here. So uh, Miami kid said, uh, bro, I live here in Dallas. I watch the Cowboys. Van Der Esch is a reach, and he has not played well. I agree with that. Uh, I would also say, too, that Van Der Esch is not coming in to play 70 snaps a game. Or, or Excuse me, 70. That's an overtime game. 50 snaps a game. He's not. He would be coming in here replacing a Landon Roberts, and I think he can do a better job than a Landon Roberts did. And I would only want him if this were a prove-it contract. Yeah, same thing with Rashawn Evans, who I would fit the same role. You can interchange any of those here on my starting 11. Um, and um, someone else here said, too, 
that that I have a theme here with uh, high upside players that that can't stay on the field or get hurt a lot. You're right, because let me tell you this: in the AFC, uh, where you've got where you're going to be competing against Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, Josh Allen and the Bills, and three or or four other franchise quarterbacks, if you want to try to do anything in the AFC by building quality depth in character and culture and locker room. Good luck. You're not, you're never going to win more than nine games. So I've said it before. Losers build quality depth. Winners get stars. Do you think the Rams won by winning by building quality depth? No, they had six or seven stars and then figured it out with the rest. Oh, agreed. Agreed. It's, but there are teams that have done it with quality depth. There are teams that have done it with both. I mean, you have to have some stars either way. You absolutely do. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I, there are a lot of ways, ways to build a team. But you look at the teams that are, in, that are consistently vying for championships. The Chiefs have holes all over their roster, but they have stars. And they have something that they're good at. And now when you take a look at the Dolphins, if they can put together an offensive line, like the ones that we've both laid out here, and they're able to run downhill in that that you know 85, 90 degree Miami weather in those home games. Now you start building an identity. You can run the football, and then Tua can play action off of that when when that's working well. So this is what Tua's Tua's best at. His play action is phenomenal. It is, and uh, yeah, I mean I, I'm looking forward to seeing that here this year. So Paul, we've run through, we fixed all the Dolphins' problems. We're good to go. I mean, uh, we'll see. But thanks, everyone, here for listening here. That's uh, that's going to do it here for our breakdown of the Dolphins starting 22. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. We're going to have a lot of good content here over the next, really, I mean, throughout the offseason. But we're going to dig into free agency next week, and then it's going to be off and running with the NFL draft after that. Be sure to join us. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the fan-sided network and finfanatic.com. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side.